Welcome to the 38th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and Lola Bunny super groupie, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well, my friend. How are thou? I am pretty good. I'm pretty good. What is new in your life, my friend? Mm, good question. I don't know. How about you? Uh nothing again (laughs) i feel like my life is uh, it's a good thing this isn't a a podcast about our lives that's what i would say especially in a pandemic where we're just inside all the time because i just uh i don't have really that much new to share honestly it's uh yeah it's good that we're talking about movies and tv shows i suppose i'm getting my vaccine april 1st we can book our vaccine here in ontario by the way but anyways enough pandemic talk okay let's talk about the good stuff simon all right Let's talk about what we had for dinner. (laughs) What did you have for dinner? My sister bought me Chinese food. So uh, I had some delicious takeout Chinese food. I had some noodles. I had some... Rice? Pepper steak. No, not rice. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Fried rice. Do you prefer uh, rice over noodles? Genuine question. I do both. You mix them up? I don't mix them together. I'll do both separately on the plate. Mm. What kind no. of noodles did you get? Cantonese chow mein or? Ah, like a nice, uh, you know, just a plain egg noodle. Just plain egg noodles with nothing. There's no vegetables or anything. No, man. That's because, what you had. Yeah. Because you put on the other the other dishes that I purchased along with, or I guess in this case, my what my sister purchased for me, in which, in which was a pepper steak, um, shrimps, sorry shrimps oh my god oh my god what did i do it's shrimp shrimp is the plural for shrimp simon anyways i got shrimp with uh veg- vegetables and uh barbecue spare ribs ah mm-hmm. was it good like where did you go to for like where did you order from from in guelph my sister ordered from jf chen in guelph is that good it was it was pretty good pretty good it's no mandarin but it's not like a I'm going real inside baseball. Sun Suns, which doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't existed for like six years in Guelph. But that, place that was, was the best place in Guelph. No, that was that place was not good. Oh, okay. But it was cheap. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that perfect mix. It was pretty much only there for like my when I was 19 and maybe 20. So my first like year or two at the bar here in Ontario. It was awesome. You know, it'd finish. You'd go there. Now there's Double Dragon downtown Guelph, and it is uh, not good. I'm sorry, but. By the bar, do you mean like the bar exam, like when you were becoming a lawyer? Oh, you're so funny. You know I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer, Simon. So what are you talking about? What bar? The bars downtown, getting drunk, have slamming. Oh, bars, sla- bars plural. You're you're having you're struggling with the plurals here. Oh my gosh, I don't know the plural. I feel like you could have easily just said that you were a lawyer and no one would have questioned it. You could have just doubled down on that and you could have been a lawyer for the rest of our episodes here at Split Focus. You, 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 I feel like you missed an opportunity, I must say. Says the guy I mean, that I'm not says a, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I know we were both thinking the same thing. Don't yeah. you dare. I'm not a doctor. Okay? You are a doctor. I'm not. 
Mm. I'm not. Anyways, there's a place called Double Dragon downtown Guelph. Not great. And uh, I, one of my vivid memories is definitely having a couple too many drinks with my pals and then waking up the next morning and I just had a chicken ball on my shirt and uh, some sweet and sour sauce. I was like, what is going on? The lights are on in my room. I was like, this is awful. Um, good times. Good times. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah. And it's a ball. You think it would have rolled off. <laughs> no, it was there. It, like it was like half eaten. <laughs> like there, there was a nibble out of it at least. Uh, I time. can't believe that's the story. You never <laughs> told me that story before. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's somehow memorable. Yeah. Good times. I miss the bars, man. Uh, anyways. So what are you up today for eat? Inc.? I had leftover pizza. That's <laughs> I can't even give you a good story, but what I ate. Okay. I, I went to my fridge and it's pizza from two days ago. So what were the toppings? As pepperoni and bacon. Man, I'm I'm sounding more and more boring as we go here. Yeah. You want to know what my go-to order from Domino's is? Because we don't have like the best of the best pizzas around, like 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 our our town. You know, there's a Blaze pizza, which is pretty good. I tried that the other week. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. We almost have every in Guelph specifically, and you don't live in Guelph, in Guelph, Ontario. There, there are so many pizza places. It's ridiculous because of the university that you know that sits in the town. So, what are you talking about? There's not that many pizza places. I mean, there's pizza places, but there's not like this. You know, like. Like if you're in New York and you you know you walk in and there's just a really good slice of zaw, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not like New York pizza. It's just like this. It's either you got your like basic stone oven pizzas or your or your chain slash franchise pizzas. There's nothing. There's no in between. It's either this fancy schmancy pizzas or not or just your basic pizzas. The guy you just, had pizza trucadero. Of course I have. I didn't know psycho. It's right next to the tennis court. It's the indoor tennis courts. It's, it is. There's an indoor de- tennis court just down the road from that. Oh, I used to play tennis there. Did you? Do you like Trocadero? Yeah, it's good. It's good. It. Uh, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be owned by a Serbian family. I don't know if it's they, it still is though. Interesting. I, I, the one thing I have as a criticism: there's their services. Okay, pizza's really good though. Pizza's really good. The crust is great. I remember enjoying it. But anyways, my go-to Domino's order is always extra large pizza with extra sauce i really like the domino's pizza sauce and you get double cheese and then pepperoni and brooklyn pepperoni so you got a layer of double pepperoni under the cheese or sorry brooklyn pepperoni under the cheese and then a layer of regular pepperoni on top of the cheese it's a great combination yeah so says you yeah i do say it yeah that's literally i said my go-to order so who the hell is saying it, Simon? Who else? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's a, it's a fine combination. Domino's is average to me. I'm not a big Domino's guy. It's okay. Domino's is my go-to, like, pizza place, honestly. Like, just that, like, cheap whatever pizza. The good thing about talking about Domino's is that people know what Domino's pizza is because, mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about Guelph pizza all day long, but how many of our listeners are actually living in Guelph? So, yeah. Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. All right, pepperoni, bacon, what's next? Let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And longtime listener Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us once again, and he said, Gentle beings, what was your favorite part of Snyder's Justice League, and why was it Affleck's Batman? 
Signed, Kenneth, and a quote here. I hate the whole reluctant sex symbol thing. It's such bull. You see these dudes greased up in their underwear talking about how they don't want to be a sex symbol? A quote by Ben Affleck, and uh, in brackets, likely talking about Adrian. Hmm. It's true. Yeah, you know, I am reluctant about the whole sex symbol thing. You know me, classic Adrian being reluctant sex symbol. Yeah, just walk around in your underwear, grease yourself up. I don't I don't really I don't really follow Ken. Well, just because I don't do it for you doesn't mean I don't do it for Ken. Oh, I see. I see. Well, that's fair. That's fair. We don't really talk outside this podcast. So True. That's fair. But let's get to his question. What was your favorite part of Zack Snyder's Justice League and why was it Affleck's Batman? We both watched Justice League. Justice League aired finally on HBO Max this week. Aired on the 18th of March and it aired on Crave in Canada. What did you think of Justice League, Adrian? Zack Snyder's Justice League, you mean? Yeah, I'm not talking about the animated TV series. Oh yeah, we oh yeah, we don't talk about the Justice League here anymore. That movie doesn't exist anymore. Uh I I really loved this movie, man. I'm I'm very happy with what we got from Zack Snyder's Justice League and I think this is a movie made for the fans of BVS and Man of Steel. Batman and Superman is a good movie, by the way. And I think it's a vast improvement over what we got back in, what was it, 2018, 2017, with the Justice League movie. How about you, man? What did you think of this? Before I dive too deeply, I should say that for the next, really until the 50-minute mark of this podcast, we're going to talk with spoilers specifically for the 2017 Justice League movie. And really talk vaguely with very light spoilers to do with the Justice League movie by Zack Snyder. We think it's arguably fair game to spoil the 2017 Justice League movie because it literally came out in 2017. So if you're squeamish about spoilers in this respect, uh, skip ahead to roughly the 50 minute mark. I think that's where we'll land when we arrive at the news segment of our podcast. But other than that, to move on to my opinion, uh, I thought it was an incredible improvement. It, it is really quite good. On Rotten Tomatoes, I think it sits at 75%, which is a huge improvement over what uh, the Joss Whedon Joss, Justice League was. I think that's at like below 20%, if I recall correctly. So critics loved it. Fans seem to like it quite a bit. People have been waiting for this. They've called for it for years now at this point. And it's a four hour and two minute film that fills in a lot of the gaps in the exact right ways that they need to be needed to be filled in to make the original Justice League movie way better. I do think it's a very different movie, but it isn't completely different. There are the core is is sort of there. Um, actually, to correct that, I feel like, to be honest, compared to Joss Whedon's version of this movie. The core was actually missing in his version. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, like, I mean, it had a plot, but it it wasn't expanded upon much. And I felt like a lot was missing in Justice League. The main thing would be the fact that they did not dive into and they didn't discuss it at all. Dark side. Dark side is just not even discussed in that film. And he's yeah. such a core element of what this movie should have been in the first place. And to remove him would have been like removing Thanos from the first Avengers movie. This movie actually, to be honest, funny enough, I don't know how 
Joss Whedon got it so wrong. I find that the Justice League made by Zack Snyder is way more paralleled to the original Avengers movie by Joss Whedon in the way that the plot works. Mm-hmm. Thanos is replaced by Darkseid and uh, Steppenwolf, in this case, would be Loki in Avengers. I don't know if you've made that parallel at all. but No, I definitely did. I, I, I get where you're coming from from that. I think it's still a very different movie tonally. Uh, but yeah, the, it, it is similar in terms of that. Like you can easily make that parallel. Well, I'm making, talking about the plot. It's like purely the plot is actually quite similar in many ways. It's just odd that uh, Joss Whedon tried to veer away so far from what Zack Snyder's initial path was before Zack Snyder had to leave the film. Um, it honestly, it also is a lot in a lot of ways like Lord of the Rings in, in a weird way as well. And the, and the fact that there's an initial battle with Darkseid years and years and years ago on Earth. And from that point, that's how this this movie kind of lifts off. Darkseid's history with Earth is kind of like a backbone for the plot of the film, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really, again, I respect quite a bit what Zack Snyder did here. There are a couple of things that I kind of didn't love, but I think that it it was it's quite good. And I really didn't like the Joss Whedon Justice League. So this is a, a major improvement in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent agree with it, man. I find it a little bit odd as well. Like, but by the way, uh, Justice League uh, was a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I just checked that. Oh, way higher than I thought. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, crazy. Batman vs Superman was somehow worse regarded than Justice League by Joe Sweden. which is kind of like where I want to ask you about this. I feel like this movie is quite similar to Batman v Superman in its tone and vision, the art, art, like the artistic cinematography and everything like that throughout the movie that it, I find it very odd that this movie is rated 75% on Rotten Tomatoes and Batman v Superman is rated 28%. Do you think this is one of those situations where critics are changing their tune because they, you know, want to, you know, fit in they're like, Oh, actually this movie is great. You know, like this is, or do you think it's something to do with just we know what came before this and this was and that movie was garbage and they're kind of rating it as an imp- more so on the aspect of it just being an improvement of Justice League as opposed to it being a great movie. You know what you know what I'm trying to say? Does that make sense? I wonder if this is less so about whether this movie is good and more so whether Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice is bad. I still think that they made a mistake years ago when they rated this movie. By this movie, I mean Batman versus Superman. And that's the reason why it's so low on Rotten Tomatoes is because they didn't, they couldn't understand a movie that's not the Marvel Cinematic Universe Marvel formula. And so the critics, they reviewed it based on the countless Marvel movies that came before it that were extremely popular and well-reviewed, which are all really the same movie over and over again. And so that's kind of where I'm at with this. I think that, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I, I think Batman vs Superman is a better movie than the Justice, Justice League Zack Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. I agree with you there. I think they got that one wrong, not this. They got this one right after getting the first one wrong. Yeah, I, I think I stand kind of with you as well. Um, like I personally think Batman v Superman is a better movie than this. I really love Batman v Superman. I think that movie is awesome. I've, I've said it countless times. Um, 
not to say that this movie is anything less than great, but I, I, I genuinely really love Batman v Superman. And again, this is the perfect, this, this Zack Snyder's justice league is the perfect continuation of that universe. And it makes me disappointed in a way, but also kind of happy that this universe was being set up for something so great that unfortunately we probably won't get to see it, but I'm glad that at the very least we got to see this. Because realistically, this is kind of the well. Zack Snyder has come out and pretty much outwardly said it. This was this was movie three out of his five part movie like plan. So it's uh, I'm glad we got three out of five parts. But I really I'm I really want the parts four and five. So there's the whole like restore the Snyderverse hashtag uh, that's going around. I I don't I'm not hopeful on that. I don't think we're going to get that. But um, I, I'm very grateful that we got this movie and. It, it it's nice to see that people are enjoying this movie. I'm I, I I I'm finally like kind of relieved that I don't have to you know always defend Zack Snyder because I I really love his movies. I really love like what he's done with this, and uh, it it's a nice kind of turnaround. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely been seeing a lot more people talking positively about Batman v Superman post this movie releasing or around the time this movie was releasing. And I don't know if it's just people coming out of hiding that were afraid to vocalize their opinions or people just kind of, uh, you know, changing their opinion, you know, doing um, what is it called? Like just rewriting their own history where they're like, actually, I actually I always like this movie if you get what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. I don't know. I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, I didn't notice that people were coming out of the woodwork to see th- say that they did like Batman vs. Superman. Obviously, people liked Batman vs. Superman, though. That's why release the Snyder Cut ever trended on Twitter in the first place. It's because of that. Mm-hmm. It's gone through a cr- crazy, like turbulent time to get this movie <laughs> to actually launch. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note, like they added a lot of footage specifically for all of the characters as opposed to just the main ones as opposed to just focusing on Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. They actually focused on more so on Aquaman, Flash and uh, Cyborg. Mm-hmm. So like Ray Fisher, actually, I respect his performance a lot more. I thought he did a great job. Same with Ezra Miller. I thought, honestly, this movie was funnier than the Joss Whedon Justice League, which is terribly ironic because that's the reason he was hired in the first place yeah. was to make it a funnier movie and more Marvel-esque. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting with that because I'll be honest with you, when this movie kind of started and Flash is introduced in, that, I, I want to say, part three, I think, of the movie. Um, so a, a little, I, I think it's a little over an hour in. And, you know, he kind of appeared and he was that same quirky character. I was almost disappointed. I was like, oh, I guess this was always Zack Snyder's vision. And I really hope that we... I don't know. There's, there's like a couple scenes in that original Justice League where I honestly didn't like the Flash in that movie. I thought he was annoying more than anything. You know, there's like the one line I forget. It's something to do with like what is brunch, and he's like going off monologuing about brunch, and I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And uh, <laughs> I don't know. And there's like the scene in uh, the Justice League as well. Like it's it's like the battle scene in that like tunnel um, where you know Batman brings up like his like spider batmobile and everything's going crazy and then wonder woman's falling trying to grab her sword and the there's like a super slow-mo scene of like you know flash trying i guess save her whatever uh but in the original justice league it's like oh like ezra miller's flash like lands on wonder woman's boobs like how funny ho 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 and then in this movie they don't do that so i think that when once that scene happened they didn't do that i was like oh thank god 
And uh, I kind of almost warmed up to his character a little bit more because he is a little bit more defined in this movie. They definitely added more um, to his character, especially Ray Fisher's cyborg, who is honestly a different character. He has way more dialogue. He has way more depth. I can understand why he'd be upset probably the most out of anyone because his scenes were quite literally cut down over 90%. He plays an integral role in this movie and he's, so does the flash though. I don't know. I argue they're, they're just as integral. They're they're both of those guys are kind of the central Mm -hmm. characters. I wouldn't say it's just Ray Fisher, but Ray Fisher's character is like, it is a, like a 180 in terms of his role. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one I disagree with you, I don't think they really added much of Aquaman. I think uh, Aquaman ended up being kind of the same character. I I almost would argue that I feel like I got less out of him in this one, but maybe not. Um, less? Well, How would you have gotten maybe, less? Maybe not less, but possibly the same. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't think he really, he really had much going for him. But they added Willem Dafoe. They added full conversations that he had with Mira. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's that. But honestly, like, I just didn't care enough about that. I think, I think uh, Jason Moore, he's a good actor. Um, you know, Aquaman's a pretty cool character. But uh, to me, he was probably my least, the one I was least interested in, um, personally. And I honestly don't think they really added much to his character, or really defined him much more as opposed to, you know, um, Ezra Miller's flash and Ray Fisher's cyborg. Yeah. Like the, the thing about the Ray Fisher thing is that Ray Fisher wasn't arguing, or at least that's not what I thought. The claim seemed to be that he wasn't arguing against the idea of his role being cut. That wasn't the focus. And thus I misunderstood. And that's what I kind of thought maybe he was mad about from mm-hmm. the beginning. But it seemed like he was mad at other things, like social reasons, like there was injustices that were happening. So that, that's what it, it seemed like he was, he was fighting against. He was fighting Warner Brothers against. It makes me kind of sad that he took this stance against Warner Brothers to this extent because I really, really want to see more Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Because Ray Fisher is a pretty good actor, according to this, anyways. So he's not. He did a pretty great job, and it's too bad now that he won't be in this universe at all, unless he, unless somebody changes their tune. Um, not just Ray Fisher, but um, like Walter Amata. Like he, I, he was supposed to be in the Flash movie, and he's not going to be anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of disappointing. Because again, I think he did a great job. Yeah, definitely. It is uh, quite unfortunate indeed. Um, but yeah, like I, again, I, I I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a yeah vast improvement with the like over the Justice League movie. And again, everyone did a fantastic job in it. I really like the redesign of um, Steppenwolf. Initially, I thought it looked a little bit weird, but it's it's really cool. I don't I don't know what it is about it. It's very reflective and glowy and it just looks badass it's like this i didn't realize it was armor i legitimately thought it was his body at first and then you know there's a scene where the armor kind of goes down and the animation was done incredibly well i know there was uh i think a recent article came out mentioning like how much of a pain in the ass that was something along those lines like it took a lot of work to redesign that character but i'm really glad they did i think he looks way better he almost looked like a like a ps3 cutscene like character back in the justice league and and they definitely improved it they added more emotion they added more dialogue i was actually kind of interested in what dark side was doing because in, again justice league 
as you mentioned, like Darkseid's not in that movie at all. And, you know, it, Steppenwolf's just here, like, I'm going to conquer the planet just for shits and gigs sort of thing. It's not really well defined, although I'm sure it's like the same reasoning, but we aren't aware of it. And this kind of makes it out to be like, OK, it makes a little bit more sense. Like Steppenwolf's here because Earth, you know, defended itself against Darkseid before. And, you know, Steppenwolf betrayed Darkseid and he's trying to re-earn his trust. And yeah, that's just not in the Justice League movie at all. Like Joss Whedon's yeah. Justice League, there is no redemption story. And the redemption is what makes that – it's weird again because Joss Whedon typically gives villains like some kind of a backstory. So mm-hmm. it's just – it almost doesn't even feel like a Joss Whedon movie or like a narrative at all. It it's, feels it's like a studio thing. movie. Like it feels like a yeah. studio movie. Let's let's do the – this is going to be – this is inside baseball unless you play video games. This is like a Destiny. Destiny 1. Let's, let's make the villain the darkness. The guy's evil for evil's sake. He's just going to come down and destroy the world. There's no reasoning for Steppenwolf killing anyone in in Justice League. Mm -hmm. And in this, there's a literal reason why he's doing this. And he's got his own actual MO, which Mm -hmm. is, I mean, crucial for any character, really. And it's it's the only way that will make me care about the movie. So Yeah, like I definitely don't think he's an all that compelling villain even with this sort of added ah, um, like, i like it. i almost feel bad for him actually i don't feel bad for him at all like I, again at the end of the day i was still like all right they're they're he's just here to get his ass kicked which i'm i'm okay with um but yeah like i, I it is again just an improvement over the Justice League. so i'm happy we have this little bit of backstory um and like give this character who really was pointless uh well not pointless but he was just a antagonist in justice league for the sake of the movie plot it he actually seems integral <laughs> like there is a reason why everyone's coming together now as opposed to and and there's a reason why this guy's coming to earth to destroy the world etc it's it's it does definitely improve the the story and improve the movie as a whole so i'm pleased that they went that route i think uh, there's a couple cool little um additions in terms of I guess not arguably subtractions in the use of effects. So in the Justice League movie, there's this like really gross, boring, like sort of overly red and dreary, like, like, I don't know, this weird red color grading throughout the final battle. And they got rid of that um, in this lot, like in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I'm very happy about that. So I definitely I, I I believe they like improved quite a bit in terms of some of the um, special effects, but I don't know if you'll agree with this. But I found some of the special uh, effects to be subpar. Um, yes, it, it it obviously seemed like it's funny because I think they got like an extra seventy million dollars to make this movie, but it still didn't seem like as high budget as it could have been with some of the special effects. Uh, most notably, like the the first time I really noticed it was the scene on Themyscira where Darkseid, you know, he he lands uh, in Themyscira and he's trying to take the mother box and, you know, Wonder Woman. There's that big battle within that like kind of cavern thing that uh, the mother box is being held and then uh, Wonder Woman's mo- mother escapes and they knock down the 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 building of sorts that's on like a mountaintop where the mother box is. And it looks very cheap. 
<laughs> um, uh, for lack of a better term, when it's like kind of tumbling down. That was really the first time where I noticed like, oof, like that does not look all that great. Do you agree with that? Like, did, did you find like the special effects almost took you out of it occasionally? Yeah, it seems not finished yeah, a lot of the time. That's the, that's the problem with the movie. Uh, what's one of the main issues is that the special effects seem not finished in multiple spots. And right after that scene uh, that the vault falls into the water and then the horses scene is probably the most jarring, honestly. Mm-hmm. It, seemed, it just seemed like the CG is not 2021 level arguably, but I don't know. I can't really fault them too much for that. They just didn't have the budget to considering how different it is from Joss Whedon's justice league. They didn't have the budget to, I guess, fill in the blanks. 70 million is a lot, but I just Mm -hmm. feel like they didn't have enough to get it done properly, which is fair. It was still good. It's passable. It's just not, not amazing. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it almost kind of looks like TV show budget quality, like CGI, maybe not that bad, but, it was nearing it versus like oh. uh, high budget, like movie level. Like it almost what does remind- that mean? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, we're going to yeah. we're about to talk about that. Like, oh yeah, good call. TV series uh, budget is is no more. Yeah, let's say network TV, like like uh, like a C, like the Flash sort of style, like CGI. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. Um, something along those lines. I would say it's more akin to that as opposed to yeah, like hell, man. Even Batman v Superman sort of quality, like special effects and everything. But it's not like it's not bad enough to really take you out of it. It's just noticeable enough. Um, in terms of things being noticeable enough, the four three aspect ratio. It's interesting when the movie starts. It actually there's a little like dialogue piece where it's like this movie is in four three to um, like encapsulate like Zack Snyder's original vision or something along those lines. Which is funny that they had to post that because I guarantee you that. <laughs> If it wasn't there and people didn't read up on it, people would be like, why the fuck is this movie like this? Because <laughs> Superman uh, is not wide. He's tall, Adrian. Exactly, dude. Um, but honestly, I got over that very quick. I was maybe like I maybe noticed it for the first five minutes and I was over it practically in, like after five minutes. I was like, OK, whatever. I don't care. Uh, funnily enough, my girlfriend was watching uh, the movie. Didn't even mention it. She didn't even mention the four three aspect ratio. Which but didn't I fan- you read the first subtitle maybe but i feel like it's something that she would still bring up because i don't like she's not into film like i don't think she knows aspect ratio like i I would i would bet she doesn't understand that regular tvs are 16 by 9 and old tvs are 4 by 3 like i don't think she would know that well you and i have sold tvs in the past Mm -hmm. we sold tvs in a at a retailer and uh, i feel like that's a common thing that people just don't really understand but they definitely see the black bars and they're like well why do why are there black bars though why can't this TV do full screen? This is a common thing that I've had. It's a, that's a very common question. They think the TV, when it's running a movie clip, it's like a sponsored, let's say they'll run Batman versus Superman. That's actually, it's on one of the TVs. It has been on it historically just because of the, the great grayscaling and contrast ratio of, uh, of Batman versus Superman. Hmm. So they run that on a, on a, on a TV for, as a demo and customers will come along and say, well, why can't this do full screen that is such a common question i get i got that once a week i used to get that once a week mm-hmm. i don't know about you i got it quite often yeah it's pretty weird that nobody understands this yeah yeah like uh again i don't think it's really a detriment to the movie i'm glad they uh i'm glad zach Snyder got to have his original vision i'm super super happy about that 
Um, a couple other things I noticed or things that I kind of want to point out on is there is actually a cameo of Zack Snyder. It's in Lois Lane's first scene. She's walking out of, uh, I think, a coffee shop. And in the background, Zack Snyder is actually uh, sitting at a table. Um, I don't think I've seen that anywhere online. I just noticed it. Uh, I, I noticed it the yeah, like uh, while I was watching it the first time, and I actually rewound it. And he's wearing his like classic, you know, what what you see a lot of videos on where he has like a you know that long white sleeve shirt and then his like gray vest. So that's actually the reason why I was like, hey, is that Zack Snyder? I'm pretty sure it was him. Did you did you pick up on that? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, so I really like that. There's also a scene where Aquaman is, I think it's a scene after he's introduced or what, one of the first scenes with him where uh, there's a fisherman and he's on a boat and the boat's sinking. And then Aquaman is standing on top of the boat with like kind of the sun or moon or whatever behind him, like uh, shining behind him. And that was like a direct parallel to the scene with Superman when he's like floating atop the roof, saving the people during the like the hurricane or like the, fl- the flash floods or whatever. I don't know if you picked up on that either. That's, that's actually something I never saw anywhere. Uh, to be fair, I haven't really looked up <laughs> any sort of videos about like cameos or whatever of this movie or Easter eggs. But that's another thing I picked up on which I really appreciated. I was like, hey, this looks exactly like the scene from Batman v Superman with Superman. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, there was also a scene specifically uh, with, uh, I think it was literally the scene before Flash is introduced and you know they show up in Central City and it's uh, the, the camera's like showing the city and there's a sign that says reduce speed ahead. And then immediately it cuts to the Flash being introduced, which I thought was a fun little nod. Um, considering he's the fastest man alive. Um, and then also that Wonder Woman theme, dude. I forgot how hype that song is. The You know that scene? You know that song? Yes, I know. I don't think you had to make the noises. But yeah. yes, I know the song. I, I I love that song. Um. Anyways, there's a, yeah, there's, I think it's the scene on uh, Themyscira where, um, you know, a- after like Steppenwolf, like takes the mother box and then they kind of go out and they're like, oh, we got to shoot Artemis's arrow to this monument, blah, 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 blah. And they're all like, oh, men won't be able to see it. And they're like, but she will talking about Wonder Woman. Uh, they are playing like um, the Wonder Woman theme actually on drums, which is super cool, um, which I really, really appreciated as well. I was like, man, I love this song. It is arguably Hans Zimmer's best work. It's it's probably my favorite uh, thing that Hans Zimmer has I'm ever made. I'm going to disagree with you on that one, but okay. It's my favorite thing Hans Zimmer has ever made, I think. And uh, I, I love that guy. It's so good. I just love that. It's so hype. It gets me so excited. It was my favorite part. And you know what? That's my favorite part in this movie. Let's go back to Ken's original question. What's your favorite part in this movie? The Wonder Woman theme. Again, any movie that's in, it will always be my favorite part. Cool. Yeah, the music is really good. Uh, this isn't uh, composed by you know, Hans Zimmer at all. It's yeah. uh, Junkie XL. The, the interesting thing is actually he. I guess they use a lot of the the themes from Hans Zimmer from the previous two movies. And mm-hmm. I just I find that the Man of Steel uh, theme song. They didn't really use the Batman. I don't know that I recall anyway from Batman vs Superman that theme, but the Man of Steel one is incredible as well. And mm-hmm. I just all of that music is just extremely emotionally charged. I yeah, I love it a lot and uh it definitely the music is a standout for me too. Yeah, 100%, man. I think this score is 
leagues better than the Diocese League score, which I think was that was Danny Elfman, right? It is indeed. It is indeed Danny Elfman. Yeah, like I think it's leagues better than Danny Elfman's score from Justice League. I mean, D- Danny Elfman, amazing composer. He scored a lot of great movies, and he, ha- he has a lot of great scores. But, man, uh, I do not think Justice League's score was good. I, I I actually specifically remember disliking it when I watched that movie. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, there, I feel like there's so much to talk about. There's so much I can break down. I don't, uh, But, I like, I don't want to... Like, I, d- I don't know what I'm missing. Uh, is there anything like uh, on the tip of your tongue that you want to mention, Simon? Ken specifically talks about Ben Affleck's Batman, and, and I think he is a standout in some way. I, I do actually greatly appreciate, as I mentioned on a previous episode, Jeremy Irons and uh, as Alfred and his relationship with Ben Affleck's Batman. I think that's just done extremely well. It's a different kind of Alfred than we'd seen in the past, at least like cinematically on the big screen. And uh, I really do appreciate that. I, I just think that's really great. And I'm hoping that Andy Serkis's Alfred is going to be equally as fantastic, I guess, in the the Batman film, mm-hmm. like the Matt Reeves to the, Bat- the Batman. Yeah, with Robert Batten. Bat. Definitely exciting. Jared Leto's Joker in this movie. I don't want to spoil anything about it. We, we knew that he was going to be in this, so I'm, I'm not really spoiling anything with that. But I really think that his scene is incredible. And I think that we did miss out on seeing more of Jared Leto's Joker. I doubt we're going to see any more of Jared Leto's Joker. I mean, it's possible, but it seems unlikely. And it's pretty cool what they did with the epilogue in general. I do find that the epilogue does feel like a bunch of special features, uh, cut scenes that are sewn together a little bit. And that's where I, that's where that and the CG is kind of where I didn't like certain parts of this movie. The worst part of this movie, in my opinion, is the very jarring singing when Batman goes to talk to Aquaman. I just felt like that went way too long. And I was like, what is going on? I, I almost felt it was awkward. I was, I was watching it with my girlfriend and I was like, why are they doing this? And I was like, this is going to go somewhere, right? I guess Aquaman's going to come out of the water, back out of the water again. And this is all going to be worth it, right? But no, it just goes on for like two minutes and then they cut to another scene and then they just turn off the music. Like they just stop singing. I did not, I don't know if you found that, but I just found that the most awkward part in the entire movie. And I was like, you, I guess you know you have four hours and you're just milking it. Like don't milk it now, like milk it later. Yeah, dude, I actually agree with you on that. It's funny that you mention it because I remember like watching the movie and I didn't really say anything. I was just kind of sitting there and I'm like, this is weird thinking to myself. And uh, my lover like quite literally bursted out laughing. Like partway through, she's like, "What is this?" I made a I made a deal with her. I was like, "You like?" She didn't like Batman v Superman. She didn't like uh, Man of Steel. So I was like, "She's like, oh, I want to watch this movie, so I know what everyone's talking about." I, I specifically told her, I was like, "If you watch this movie, you are not allowed to bash it like during the movie. Like, I don't care. Like, it's like I've waited, I've waited way too long for this. You cannot ruin this moment for me." And uh, she did a good job with it. She she actually didn't bash. She didn't really say anything except for that scene where she literally started laughing. Um, so it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. I, I that's the only thing I don't understand. Yeah, like, I, I, it was it was beautiful singing, but it just didn't. It felt out of place. Like it just didn't feel like it belonged. I don't. I don't know if I would go as far as to say it didn't feel like it belonged because it felt kind of like, oh, we're putting this in to be all artsy, which is. I think a lot of Zack Snyder's style, but yeah, I, I hold up. Okay. If you're going to do that, then you just, you pull it into a montage sequence, which they did not do. Yeah. You could have, you could have montaged that out. 
you just basically keep the singing over overlaying other scenes in the rest of the world. Like they did actually cut to Martha Kent, but they cut way too late. Like cut to Lois, cut to you couldn't cut to Flash there, or maybe Alfred. I don't know. You you could do something there that makes it make it seem more in place. But the, the truth of the matter is that also Snyder's movies, yes, they are like that kind of, but they don't really do that. They they usually are fairly if they're going to hold on a shot, they have a real purpose to make it seem like a comic book frame. That did not seem like it really held that much of a purpose because it was, just went on too long. Yeah, fair enough. I, yeah, I do agree with you on that, man. I'll, I'll give you that much. Um, on the on the topic of, yeah, I guess like scenes that I, I almost felt like went on for too long. Uh, how the movie starts. Actually, I don't know if I actually agree with what I'm about to say, but the movie starts with... Um, Pretty much like the ending of Batman v Superman, which I really liked. It made it feel like this movie is actually connected to that movie and not just like this weird sort of side story. Like it, it genuinely felt connected, but it's, you know, Superman just screaming and uh, like, oh, and I, I kind of felt like, yeah, this is going on because it goes on for like five minutes, like long. But at the very least, like it was showing scenes. It was showing these vibrations spreading out and kind of being like, this is what's happening as ba- or as Superman is dying. So I, I did kind of appreciate that, but it did. I felt it was a little bit where I was like, this movie starting off with just Superman screaming in pain for like five minutes straight. Um, that, that, was, that was another point where I almost felt like it went on too long. I still liked it, though. The, the more I'm talking about it, the more I like it. I appreciate it because it does what, again, Joss Whedon's Justice League does not. And it's to make the mother boxes. Why is it now? That, we're gonna be, that Earth is being attacked by Steppenwolf. It's because Superman is dead. And that was like, it sets the tone early that Superman is literally guarding Earth because people are afraid of him. They're legitimately afraid of him. And in fact, Superman, when he comes back, because he comes back in this movie just like he does in Joss Whedon's Justice League. I mean, that's not that shouldn't be a spoiler. Um, he is more powerful somehow than in Joss Whedon's Justice League, which is crazy. Because in Joss, Joss Whedon's Justice League, I remember thinking, wow, Superman's way more powerful than any of these people. Like any, the, more powerful than Wonder Woman, obviously more powerful than Batman. That's obvious. Batman's just smart and rich. But I just found that really odd. And like when he gets into the ring with Steppenwolf, you're, you noticeably can tell that he is like a league of his own. Yeah. In a Justice League of his own. <gasps> what? Crazy. That, yeah, that, that was, I, I, that was implied in what I said there, Adrian. No, The one thing I do appreciate about this movie as well is Batman feels a lot more useful. I do think Batman has a better character arc in this movie as well. He is better defined. Again, you mentioned the relationship that he has with Alfred, which I really love, but he doesn't feel useless in this movie and he plays a big role. He seems like the leader in justice league. I feel like he's almost pushed to the side because it's like they, it, they almost were like, I don't know what to do with Batman again, like next to all these characters. So we're just kind of, kind of, they almost made him a comic relief in some sense. And just, I really didn't like his character in justice league. Uh, but I, I definitely think that's another huge improvement that this this movie has over Justice League. Yeah, he seems more like the mastermind. Uh, there was a little bit of a criticism. I can't remember, honestly, if it's the same thing that happens in, in the Joss Whedon Justice League. But one of the things that I kind of 
I'm critical of of this movie, and it's weird that Zack Snyder didn't see this, is when they fight Superman when he wakes up. They fight, it's the exact same scene as it happens in the Joss Whedon Justice League. They fight each other, fight Superman because Superman's extremely confused because he just comes back from the dead, and they're fighting right in front of the the broken down statue of Superman. In that scene, they're all fighting, and the only thing that wakes up Superman is Lois Lane. For me, when Batman comes into the into the ring to go fight Superman as well, I, I just didn't understand why he was there. He thought he was going to convince him. It was really odd. Like you're a smarter person than this. I thought they would have br- he would have brought Lois Lane there. That is the thing that I just don't understand because literally in Batman versus Superman, he gets a premonition from Flash saying Lois is the key. So why wouldn't he bring Lois? That's the only thing I just didn't quite understand. I, I thought it would have been more resourceful of him if he did that. It just it was weird. He just seemed to be a sacrificial lamb. He walked in and was like, "Oh, I'm going to go convince him even though we just had a fight like in in Superman's eyes about 10 minutes ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely, man. I I definitely agree with that criticism. I don't actually remember if that was the way it was in the Joss Whedon Justice League. Did he he bring Lois Lane in the Joss Whedon Justice League? Is that an actual change that I actually disliked? I felt that that's what happened. I don't remember. I legitimately don't remember. I'd have to go back and look at it, but that's what I just, I don't get that. There's even a scene right after that in the Zack Snyder's Justice League in which he literally, Batman is talking to Wonder Woman. He's like, well, I had a premonition. Flash was talking to me and he said that Lois is the key. Mm -hmm. He talks about the vision. So I I was like, you remembered that, but you didn't think it's it's an odd one. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess the truth of the matter is that maybe he could have thought that he would have maybe killed Lois. So there's a chance that he didn't want to take that risk. Maybe he thought it was his fault. So eh, I don't know. I'm criti- criticizing it, but now I'm convincing myself otherwise. But I feel like that would have been a, a smart Batman move because I don't know. There's there's lots of moments where I feel like Batman didn't shine still in this movie just as much as he didn't do in the he didn't in the Joss Whedon Justice League, and that he didn't seem like the mastermind. He seemed kind of he was acting out of desperation a little bit too too much. Mm-hmm. But the best parts of what Batman was doing in this was the fact that. His weapons, he realized they're, he, it's better that he uses the alien weapons. So he just stole the alien weapons and he was fighting the aliens with the alien gun. I just thought that that was exactly what Batman would do. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to fight with your own damn gun. You're, how effective is that going to be? You're going to pr- fight with the alien weapons because they've been probably using that on each other for years. So he was extremely resourceful, just like Batman would be. And there was a lot more fight fighting of Batman in the final battle where he was seemed to be extremely effective. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like he was necessarily that effective, as you mentioned, uh, in the Joss Whedon version. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's cool. Yeah, definitely, man. One more thing that it would be a shame to not mention. The Joss Whedon Justice League is a PG-13 movie. This is not a PG-13 movie. In typical Zack Snyder fashion, it's rated R. And to me, it matters the most at the very end in my opinion. Not the very end, but the end of, of Steppenwolf. The ending for Steppenwolf was way better. And the the, the idea of, in Joss, Joss Whedon's Justice League, they specifically doubled down on the concept that the parademons are fueled by fear. They smell fear and they chase people who have fear. And so at the end of, I don't know if you remember this, but at the end of Joss Whedon's Justice League, the, the parademons can sense that Steppenwolf is afraid of Superman. And so they take him away. 
I don't know. It, it, that's that's okay, I guess. But this, I don't even remember that. <laughs> uh, you just saying that makes me go like, oh man, what a fucking a travesty. You thought that was a good idea. Yeah, Ugh. it wasn't great. And, and the fact that the tonal, the tonal problems with that was that that was a clearly a Joss Whedon thing, whereas Zack Snyder would never do something like that. And so the idea of giving Steppenwolf a legitimate backstory and having him be on Earth for a specific reason and have him get defeated legitimately, like get destroyed. After he was winning pretty, pretty handedly, he was winning in both versions of the movie until Superman shows up. And then Superman wrecks shit up, mm-hmm. basically, and he, and he destroys him. But there's a lot of moments where uh, even the Wonder Woman scene at the bank where she's defeating those those thugs who are basically terrorists, she throws them against the wall and they there's blood splatter. Like it's their their head hits the wall and they they're dead. They're beyond dead. And like they don't really show that. They cut away at the last second in Joss Whedon's version. I just feel like that part wasn't as necessary. It's it's not an extremely rated R movie until even the ending, but the ending was badass. I must say the ending for Steppenwolf was extremely well thought out. And it makes a lot of sense when you consider Darkseid being the one who's really pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Having the Darkseid storyline is really what changes this movie. That's the real change. Flash as well is actually has a backstory and is legitimate. We never saw Flash prior to this. He was not really in Batman vs. Superman. And same with Ray Fisher's Cyborg. So having those two have a backstory, considering they're doing it backwards. Avengers didn't do it this way. They introduced all of the heroes first. And then decided to pull them into the to the movie Avengers together, and we already had a backstory for them because they were already had their own movies to start with. This did it the opposite way, and to not have Flash's or Ray Fisher's uh, cyborgs backstory going into the movie, you needed the time to build out these characters and make us realize who they are as people. And so that was the flaw of Joss Whedon's Justice League. It was rushed. It, there was, seemed like there was very little heart. And this movie fixed all of that, mm-hmm. and Steppenwolf had an actual legitimate role as a villain, and he actually had a motive, which is important. Yeah. Uh, so that's my my two cents on it. I love this movie because of all of that as a as a concept. Yeah, me too, man. I'm I'm so glad we got this movie. Like I said, I want this universe to continue. I've accepted that it won't continue, um, but I'm just I'm just glad that we got this movie and. Uh, I'm glad that you and I, we've been championing Batman v Superman since it came out. We, we've we never wavered. We've always stood by this movie. And now people finally understand that Zack Snyder had a vision and we should have just gotten his vision all along. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting. Like it's worth reading a lot of the, uh, like uh, Vanity Fair actually seemed to cover this quite a bit, but I, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago that they interviewed Zack Snyder and they were kind of following this pretty closely. And the whole idea of the turbulent production of the original Justice League movie, it's pretty interesting what it had to go through. And I feel like it's a it's a symbol for a lot of movies, especially I, I'd imagine even like uh, Spider-Man 3, like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. I feel like he kind of probably was put through a similar situation as Zack Snyder, except Zack Snyder like had a death in the family and left for, for other reasons. But I just, uh, yeah, studio meddling, it never ends well. I feel like this is the moral of the story. <laughs> don't hire him then. Just say, you know what? Uh, we don't agree with the contract that we made for you. 
Because again, they lost faith in him after Batman vs Superman. It didn't do well, and then they just couldn't let him have his vision. But then you can't just make your you can't have a director and then just decide what the movie's going to be about based on your own terms afterwards. The director is either the director or not the director. That's it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yes, you can't eat your cake and have it too. Is that the is that the phrase? I actually don't even know what it means. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah. You can't have your cake and eat it, eat it too. It, that it, the other way is correct, but I'm. I think I mentioned this on a previous episode that Manhunt Unabomber. Apparently, years ago, like way back, like hundreds of years ago, when that phrase was initially made, or like a hundred years ago, somehow it got switched. It got reversed, and the, the Unabomber apparently in his manifesto uses it correctly. Where you can't have your, or you can't eat your cake and have it. You can't eat your cake and have it too. Is that what the first went? That's the correct way. Ugh. Everyone's saying it the other way. Like we can trust the Unabomber. <sighs> well, no, it's not trusting the Unabomber. It's just looking back into like linguistic history. That was mm-hmm. kind of a, that the moral of the story. That that actually that Netflix series, I, I mentioned this before, but Manhunt Unabomber is really good. It gets uh Sam Worthington and Paul Bettany. And I I very highly recommend that. It is quite good. It's worth watching. But anyways. So yeah, love this movie. It's great. I, I too, just like you, I hope for it to continue and, and that, that Zack Snyder gets to have his last two films made. It seems very unlikely, as you pointed out. But I mean, never say never because nobody thought that the Zack Snyder's uh, Snyder Cut was going to come out either. So that's, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Okay, so moving on now, let's go into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We both watched the first episode. It aired the day after uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. What did you think of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Adrian? Pretty good. Pretty good. What did you think? I think it's awesome. And you talked about previously that you didn't like the fact that WandaVision um, was airing episodically, week on week. I hate it more for this show. And the reason why I liked it for WandaVision is because keeping the mystery alive, people could discuss the mysteries. There's very little mystery with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's basically a big blo- a big blockbuster. It's like a spiritual successor or uh, very similar to Winter Soldier, like the Captain America Winter Soldier, the film. I feel, I feel like in its tone. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I would just like to watch all six hours, just all, all at once. I just, this one, I really, I watched to the end and I was like, oh, this is great, but I just, I don't have enough here. And I, it just makes me feel like I hate to be waiting. That's the the one thing, but um, it's totally pretty incredible. It's got really great action, really great CG for a TV series, as we kind of alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really excited for the next episode next Friday. Me too, man. I feel like in this one episode alone, we've developed um, Sam, the Falcon, and Bucky, uh, the Winter Soldier, in more ways than the movies that have come out previously have, if that makes any sense. They really define these characters, and I don't know how deep I want to go into this, but I, I feel like we can kind of talk about it. Uh, but you know th- what they do is Sam, uh, the Falcon, and they kind of bring his family into it and talk about sort of financial struggle and how, like you know, being a part of the Avengers doesn't necessarily mean you're a rich person. You didn't really get paid to do it, and they touch on that issue, which honestly I was. I was pretty shocked by it, and I was super intrigued by it. I thought that was one of the coolest, coolest additions in this in this show that I think is 
it's awesome that they're that they're tackling like an not necessarily an issue. Well, it is an issue like this. You know, poverty is a real thing and everything like that. But um, they're tackling something like this in a in a Marvel TV show about you know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I I was not expecting this, and you know, for Bucky, uh, he's like in therapy, literally. You know, going going in therapy, talking to his therapist. That's kind of how he's introduced in the episode, and it's this really long scene of him just talking and us kind of going into his mind and like what he's been thinking and what he's dealing with. And it's, it's incredible. Like this, this first episode is uh pretty incredible for these characters. And I, I, I agree with you. I really wish this was a, uh, an all at once thing. I still think long division would have benefited with it coming out all at once uh, in the long run, just because people went off and were like, Oh, you know, like these crazy outlandish theories, which made the ending of the show lackluster for a lot of people. Mind you, didn't really bother me. I didn't really dive into the theories, but one thing to note. But yeah, I feel like this show is not going to be about the theories. It's going to be kind of just a long movie with no mystery, just on to the next step. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I guess like I don't really know what else to say about this without really going too deep into it or re- really reiterating anything you said. I'm just, I'm just excited to watch more. Um, I don't think this show really requires us doing like a closer look episode every week. I know I mentioned that kind of like, I wish we did it for WandaVision. Maybe we would do it for this show. I don't think this show really needs it. Well, Adrian hindsight's 2020. So, yeah. I mean, we could figure that we should have done it at episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have no idea what's going to happen next. Yeah. It's, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's Mephisto. Mephisto's the the secret villain. <laughs> In Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, they are tackling certain issues that they, they just don't really have the time for, arguably, mm-hmm. in a full feature film when there's this bigger story plot points that they just need to dive into. Yeah, well, like Falcon. Yeah, exactly. Like Falcon and Bucky, they haven't had their own movies. They've always played second fiddle to Captain America. And they are only in Captain America movies, except for, I guess, the Avengers movies. Yeah, yeah, some of the Avengers movies. But really, yeah, they, they, they're they side characters now being pushed to the forefront and being these main characters that we get to see develop even more. And uh, I, I'm very I'm very excited to see where this is going to go. I feel like, not that it's like mysterious or anything, I feel like I kind of expect where this show is going to go, but I still want more of it. And I'm still excited to see more of these characters, see how they develop, see how Baron Zemo is going to fit into the whole plot, all that sort of stuff. I'm really liking this. I'm really liking this. And there's a lot of like references to the wider universe. It's really interesting because I think Marvel has done this well throughout their past, like 13 years since, you know, Iron Man has come out where they can balance a lot of different tones and, you know, different movies have different sort of tones and styles and everything like that. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a very, very different show. To WandaVision. Very different. And it's super cool that this is in the same universe. I I think Marvel has really nailed that. And uh, I don't think they have many missteps, if any, um, when it comes to the, that sort of blending of this larger universe. I don't think there's anything quite like the tone of WandaVision, to be honest. It's different in most ways. But the I think this is really, again, a sequel to the Captain America movies in the way that it's done. And they kind of deal with some of the socioeconomic issues with 
even when they introduced Sam in Winter Soldier, to be honest, mm-hmm. specifically Captain America or Steve Rogers in that case, he meets Sam at a VA meeting. So they do touch specifically on that kind of that topic, but just not in a lot of depth. And I, again, they're just doubling down on that here, which is, is cool. I can't wait to see what the next five episodes hold. And uh, yeah. Yes. Should we get on to the news? No. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as reported by Canadian news organization CBC News, the 93rd annual Academy Award nominations were announced by Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra last week. The awards ceremony is currently scheduled to air on April 25th, 2021. Notably, director David Fincher's film Mank garnered the most nominations with 10 in total. Five other films are all tied up for second place, with a total of six nominations apiece, which should lead to an intriguing year for Oscar predictions. There is certainly some tough competition in the race for Best Picture this year, with the nominees being Judas and the Black Messiah, The Father, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Interestingly, with both director Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennell's Best Director nominations, this is also the first year in Oscars history that two women directors have been nominated for the Best Directing category. Adrian, what did you think about these Oscar nominations that were announced last week? Um, I think this is uh, interesting. Uh, The one thing that I immediately thought about um, looking at this list is like, I'm I'm excited to watch these movies. Um, The Father, I don't know about you, but um, I would actually like to watch this movie possibly next for next week. And the reason I'd like to is because this is actually coming out on Apple TV. Spoiler alert for the new movie releases uh, on April 26th as like an Apple TV plus movie. As far as I understand, that's at least how it looks like on the Apple TV app. So I don't know if you want to, but uh, I'd be down to watch that movie for next week. It's currently at 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes starring Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. All right, cool, man. So we can definitely watch that for next week. But yeah, this seems like a like like an all around. Uh, I mean, obviously it's the Oscars, it's the best movies, all this stuff. But it seems like another really great year for movies. Like looking back on it, um, when it felt like nothing was coming out, it's cool to see you know Netflix having two movies in the in the best picture category with you know Trial of Chicago Seven and Mank. Although, I, again, I, I, we talked about it on the Mank episode. I don't really love Mank. I uh, wasn't wasn't really for me. Um, I don't like. I don't think it's best picture worthy, in my personal opinion. I know you disagree with that. Uh, I think it could easily win. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely put Trial of uh, Chicago Seven above it. Sound of Metal is another movie that really like popped out to me. I could have sworn that movie was supposed, to, or I, maybe it is an Amazon Studios. But I thought that was on Amazon uh, Prime Video. I actually looked it up when I was uh, looking into all the Oscar nominations. Unfortunately, it's not, but it's a cheap rental. It's only like six or seven bucks. So that's uh, probably another movie we can watch. But really, the one thing uh, I, I want to talk about is that we got what? About four more episodes until this um, until the Oscars come out. We should we should make an active effort to at the very least watch all of these movies being in best, best picture. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. And if I mean, if there's regular listeners to our podcast, I mean, follow along, try and watch each of these movies. If you haven't watched them either, they're all going to be incredible. If you haven't seen any of them, there's there's no way the nominations for Best Picture are not incredible, pretty much. I feel like I'm not a genius by saying this, but yeah, one glaring omission for me, uh, one that I was incredibly surprised by 
is that One Night in Miami is not nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, so color us wrong on that one. Yeah. We literally, a few episodes back, when we saw One Night in Miami, we thought it could win it all. I thought it was going to be the Green Book of this year, and that Green Book kind of went in, came in like a, like it was like a sleeper cell, and I, I, I wasn't sure whether it was going to get nominated for Best Picture necessarily, but I, I thought that there's a good chance it could win. And I think when we came out of the theater, I, I kind of said something to that effect, but it did win Best Picture. But One Night in Miami wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. And Regina King, the director of that film, was not nominated for Best Director either, despite the fact that she was uh, nominated for uh, the Golden Globe for Best Director. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they they botched that one somehow. I, I'm curious. We'll watch the rest of these films, and then we can decide for ourselves whether it's better for better than these some of these other movies, I guess. But. Yeah, man. I mean, again, like I've only watched two of these movies on this list, and – I definitely think One Night in Miami is better than Mank, like in my personal opinion. I know you think that, but Mank is, I mean, a directing clinic. Like that, that, that movie's tight. Uh, there's not a single shot out of place. Like that's completely, mm. I think that's, it may be a perfect movie in my mind. I just think it's extremely well oh. built. But you also don't like Citizen Kane. So I, I don't know if you can really like Mank because you don't like the source material. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. <laughs> yeah, I I'm excited for a lot of these. I really want to see Judas and the Black Messiah, maybe more than the others. I don't know. The Father is a, is a movie about dementia, so it's going to be really sad. I, I actually was surprised when you selected that one as first. Well, yeah, the, the reason I want to is because it's on Apple TV. It's the most easily accessible, uh, lowest bar. Yeah, we're not we're not rich men. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good call. But yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Judas and the Black Messiah is probably the one I want to watch the most out of these, Minari maybe being a close second. Speaking of Minari, in terms of the movies with the best chance of winning, and based upon the other award shows that have already gone before the Oscars, I think it's going to be Minari versus Nomadland. That's what I think is going to be. I could be completely wrong. When we finally watch all the movies, we can make a more educated decision uh, on which one, or educated prediction on which ones we believe are the front runners. I think Mank has a good chance too. I just, I don't know. This is a, this is going to be an interesting one for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think the choice for this is ju- just going to be black and white. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I was making a joke because Mank is shot in black and white. Do you get it? Oh, <laughs> you're such a clever man. Number two, according to publication Deadline, One Night in Miami actor Kingsley Benadire has been cast in the Disney Plus TV series Secret Invasion. The Marvel Cinematic Universe-based series is set to see actor Samuel L. Jackson reprise his role as the string-pulling spy Nick Fury. Secret Invasion will also star actor Ben Mendelsohn as the shape-shifting scroll from the Captain Marvel film named Talos. Kingsley Benadire is rumored to be playing the villain of the series, but nothing has been confirmed by Disney as of yet. What do you think of this, Adrian? This is awesome casting i think kingsley benadir i haven't seen him in much but again he was in one night in miami he plays malcolm x he is a compelling actor i was enthralled by his performance in that and it's so awesome that he's being brought into this as a villain and i think he could really pull it off and and play a compelling villain which is i think uh very important um to the mcu um like making a villain that you could almost sympathize sympathize with so I uh, relate to. 
Yeah, exactly. Similar to a uh, very good villain um, in recent memory. Um, what's his name now? Steppenwolf. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I thought you were drawing a parallel there on purpose. Was that was that the purpose there? No. Or you just. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, okay. Well, that's what's so good about it. That's what I was. I've been trying to say. Steppenwolf is actually a, a compelling and relatable per- person. Mm. He's still an evil son of a bitch, but at least. Now we've got somebody that you can kind of relate to on a human level. And I'm sure Kingsley Benadir will do the same as you mentioned. You make a good point. Yeah, like I'm very excited to see this. Secret Invasion is probably the series, the next Marvel series I'm most excited for. Like WandaVision was definitely number one, but I I, I would have put uh, Secret Invasion next after that. Really? Simply because Interesting. like the reason why is because I love Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn's relationship in Captain Marvel. I think that is the best part about that movie how they play off each other and i want to see that relationship expanded upon i really like ben mendelson as a uh, actor period and i love seeing him in a like a like in a role that's not evil because he, he plays such a great bad guy he does an even better job playing a good guy arguably so i, I really want to see more of that relationship also with they did announce that monica rambo who is in one division. She's going to be a part of this uh, series. So again, I really liked her character and I would like to see her character expanded upon even further. Yeah. So sorry. Teona, Teona Paris is the name of the actor for Monica Rambo. Yeah. I think I also think that the actress, like the actor Teona Paris is really good. She's, like, she's just not in a lot. And I think that she's fantastic in one division and it's great to see her come to secret invasion. I'm hoping I think we talked about this previously. I'm hoping Randall Park is also in Secret Invasion. The Sa- Randall Park, Samuel L. Jackson team up for an episode of Secret Invasion would be a dream come true in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think that that kind of team up would be really funny and worth watching. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Uh, it, it would be really awesome. Randall Park is such a hilarious dude. He's 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 so funny. His his delivery, like his comedic delivery, is. Honestly, up there, I, I don't know if he has any like stand up specials, but I'd be curious about watching those. But yeah, his his comedy on screen is just it's really great. And I think he would do a good job uh, playing alongside, you know, Nick Fury being this like serious guy and uh, him being almost like a like a like a jokester next to him. But again, I feel like we kind of have that with Ben Mendelsohn's character um, and Nick Fury, although Ben Mendelsohn's character Talos is is a little bit more serious as well compared to Randall Park's character for sure. Cool. Number three. As reported by Deadline, Sony's theatrical release of the Venom sequel, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, has officially been delayed from its June 25th release date to a September 17th one instead. Venom 2 is set to see actor Tom Hardy reprise his role as Eddie Brock and will also see Woody Harrelson take on the role of infamous Venom antagonist Carnage. The sequel is being directed by Mowgli Legend of the Jungle director Andy Serkis. Adrian. Venom. Two, what are you thinking? I can't wait. Venom 1, the first Venom movie, is the best superhero movie ever created ever. It's so good, baby. And I want this sequel. You lie. I do. I do. It's not that great of a movie. However, I am curious about where this movie will go. And honestly, the reason why I'm curious about it isn't necessarily because of Venom or the, or, or the Venom movie itself. But it's because of the Morbius trailer. Have you seen the Morbius trailer? I have. So at the end of the Morbius trailer, there is 
a reveal that Vulture from Spider-Man Far From Home, sorry, Spider-Man Homecoming, my apologies, is in that movie. Pretty much solidifying the, the, the connection between the Venomiverse, which Morbius is directly connected to, and the MCU. That these movies technically take place in the same timeline. I feel because of that, it makes Venom Let There Be Carnage a slightly more interesting movie because it was a lot of like, oh, is it in the same universe? Is it not? And it kind of is. But if anything, I feel like they'll probably take the Netflix route where it's like Jessica Jones, Daredevil. Those those TV shows are technically part of the MCU. They take place in the same universe. They reference things about it, but they are not referenced whatsoever. My assumption is, is that Venom Let There Be Carnage will actually have bigger ties to this MCU and reference the MCU more. But in every other MCU movie, it will not be referenced whatsoever. That is my take on it. I don't know if you agree. So you're saying that the villain movies will reference each other, but they won't be referenced within the MCU? What about Spider-Man? That is my next question, actually, is... Okay, so just to give a backstory to those who may not be aware, Spider-Man is currently owned by Sony. Uh, Like, as a theatrical rights, they own the theatrical rights to Spider-Man. Sony does. And so Sony Pictures gets to put Spider-Man things. They made a deal with Marvel, and that's why the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, has Spider-Man in it, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but technically still owned by Sony. So the question is, will they have Venom or Carnage in the Spider-Man verse eventually in the Spider-Verse movie. That's the real question. I don't think it's likely that we're going to see Venom or Morbius in Spider-Man, whatever the third Spider-Man movie's name is. Not the third one, but maybe the fourth one. Exactly. That, that is, when are they going to cut ties? Like, I think that they're planning a great, you know, rift from the MCU. I think that that's just, I feel like that's bound to happen because Sony is so resistant to anybody trying to eat their lunch. Well, I don't know if many people remember this because I definitely do is after Spider-Man far from home, it was announced that the next Spider-Man movie is not going to be, or is technically separate from the MCU going forward. Like Spider-Man will not appear in MCU movies. I feel like if you were aware of this, you definitely remember this, but were you aware of it? I guess the more of the, question. it is the question, Simon. Cause I definitely remember that distinctly. Like that was a sad day when they made that announcement. That was, rough yeah i know mad world was playing on the radio it was brutal yeah that's right um yeah so i i I definitely agree with you i think sony is setting this up to eventually after spider-man 3 the third spider-man movie whatever the fuck it's called i I legitimately can't remember um once that movie comes out and if they really are setting up the spider-verse universe spider-verse that they are gonna kind of separate themselves from the mcu and try to tie it deeper into this venom slash morbius averse i think that as soon as they cut ties it's going to be a disaster they're going to make a shitty movie i just i I have a feeling that the fact that mcu is involved like kevin feige is involved at all means that there's reins on this whole situation Mm -hmm. I, i i just don't believe in sony's ability to create a creatively great movie because they're just they, they know how much money there is tied up in this. And so all of these producers that get involved, they just, they can't help themselves. They're like, they can see the dollar signs and like, well, what if we put in 
all of the Sinister Six in the next Spider-Man movie, and then they'll hire some half-baked director that won't really be the director to create the fourth Spider-Man movie. I, I think it's going to be a disaster. I think that they could make something incredible, but I think they still need to keep Kevin Feige in the loop. I really do think that he he knows he may be the greatest producer of our time, like legitimately. And to not have him involved would be a great mistake. Disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, man. Um, I real like I have high hopes for this. I, I hope Venom Let There Be Carnage is gonna be a good movie. Like I, I genuinely hope. I, I don't want any movie to fail, realistically. I just don't like I'm not confident that it's gonna be a good movie. Tom Hardy is really the best part about Venom. Arguably the only good part about that Venom movie, I would say. Um, so I really like I, I hope they nail it. Um, again, I, I think I mentioned this. this is, I guess, a spoiler for the Venom after credit scene, but who cares? Uh, they like introduce Woody Harrelson um, in the movie, and he's wearing this like ridiculous wig. This absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, yeah. outlandish orange curly wig that they literally went into like a party city and bought it. Like it was, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Literally the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I don't think I've ever seen a worse wig. Like, I'm like, it's, they, they asked Woody Harrelson, they, they called him to hire him. They're like, you got the job, but can you stop by party city on the way here? We, we need you to pick up a red wig. It's, it's almost like he went into party city and then, or spirit Halloween or something like that. And there was like a, like a carrot top sort of costume. And he just grabbed the wig out of the carrot top costume. And put it on his his head. It's it's awful. And then he's like, oh, yeah, like Venom's or Eddie Brock is like talking to him. He's like, and out of just nowhere, like he, like Woody Harrelson's character is just like, well, there's gonna be carnage, blah. And it's like, what? Why was this in this movie? Like, who thought of this? I don't know. It's wait, didn't his line wasn't his line? Let there be carnage, possibly. Ugh, like the title of the sequel. Yeah, it, honestly, that makes sense. It, I wouldn't be it's surprised. It's so stupid, though. It's so forgettable. It's too on the nose. It's silly, and and like I know it sounds ridiculous, but honestly, I don't have high hopes for that this movie simply because of that scene. Like I was like, because because they're like, oh, we gotta set up the next movie. Let's let's get Woody Harrelson here. Let's get let's get this really cool orange wig on him, and let's have him say this line. And then it's just like, well, oh. it's not Ruben Fletcher. Ruben Fletcher is not directing this. It's Andy Serkis. Although Andy Serkis's track record for films has not been, it's not been bad, but it's not been amazing. So it, it's it's still a wild card. Ruben Fletcher, on the other hand, I mean, there's a lot coming out about. I mean, he's directing the Uncharted film with Tom Holland, and there's a lot coming out about about how that movie doesn't seem to be good. How they don't so, understand who Nathan Drake is. Yeah. They don't know that he's a comic relief character. Cause all, all that Tom Holland was asked to do was just uh, show his muscles and look really cool. The, my confusion about that, uh, not to dive too deep into this cause uh, we're going a little bit long here, but like, is that Tom Holland just not understanding Nathan Drake? Or is that the director not understanding Nathan Drake? Or is that both of them not understanding Nathan Drake? You know what I mean? It could be both of them, but the truth is, the truth is I think, Tom Holland took the role knowing who Nathan Drake was. 
wouldn't you say like yeah like I, I, you'd think so but the way tom holland talked about it he's like oh I, I was just too worried about looking cool he almost was like it almost seemed like he was saying that he made a mistake the way he acted the character as opposed to the direction he was told to act the character he didn't like i don't know that, that's kind uh, of what i what i took from it personally I, I kind of understood that he was being asked to do that mm. and that's what he he kind of regrets it because he was being asked to do it and so I think he regrets being in the movie at all. Yeah. That's kind of what I understood. Because it's not what his wheelhouse is. And I mean, previously he is comic relief in a lot of things he's in. Yeah. Like he's done he's done serious roles now. But I'm not sure that he excels in them. Yeah, fair enough. And that movie's going to be so shit, unfortunately. It'd be great if it was good. I, I'm excited for the Uncharted movie. If I can go see it in theaters, you know, just to, just to, to, to be a movie to watch like Rampage. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Or Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider wasn't a great movie, honestly. It wasn't a bad movie. I liked it, was, it. Certainly wasn't a great one. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was average. It was just a rehashing of the video, the first video game, of the, sorry, of the remakes, the remake Tomb Raider series from Square Enix. It was a rehashing of that. That was the basically the film. But anyways, um, yeah, just worse. But yeah, basically. Okay then. Now on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as reported by Deadline, Minari actor Steven Yoon and Birds of Prey actor Ali Wong will produce and star in a 10-episode dramedy TV series, which will be showrun by Silicon Valley writer Lee Sung Jin. Pretty cool. This, uh, this definitely has my interest. Although I'll be honest, I do not remember Ali Wong in Birds of Prey. Number two, as reported by entertainment website IGN, the three seasons of the 2003 version of Star Wars Clone Wars, created by Samurai Jack showrunner Jendi Tartakovsky, will launch on Disney Plus on April 2nd, 2021. Do you remember when I mentioned this like a, like many episodes ago? I don't know. Does, wait, is this the one you said was bad? No, this is the one I said that was good. I said that the movie was bad, but I said that this one was good. Yeah, this is interesting because each of these episodes is like less than 10 minutes long. Yeah, it's only like a few hours in total. Like the entire thing is only. Yeah, it's award winning. And it's clearly, the art style is clearly pulled from the stylings of Samurai Jack. It's really good, man. You should watch it. Can you clarify something for me? Okay, there was a movie... Like an animated Clone Wars movie specifically. And then there's this series. And then there's the other series. Are they connected? So the movie is connected to the series that isn't this series. So this is completely unrelated to the series. The, the regular series run by... Uh, Dave Filoni. So Dave Filoni's series is not connected to Jendi Tartakovsky's series. Correct. It's to totally separate, both of them. Good to know. Thank you. Number three. As reported by Publication Variety, actors Michael Chiklis, Sally Field, Adrian Brody, and John C. Riley have all been cast in the HBO TV series about the 1980s LA Lakers that will also be directed by Vice Director Adam McKay. I was not interested in this until the last four words. Number four, as reported by Variety, Loki actor Tom Hiddleston has been cast alongside Homeland actor Claire Danes to star in the Apple TV Plus TV series adaptation of the Sarah Perry novel, Essex Serpent. I don't know what the Essex Serpent is. Number five, as reported by Deadline, Network Sci-Fi's science fiction comedy series Resident Alien, starring Alan Tudyk, has been renewed for a second season after the rousing success of the first. I honestly thought this show just seemed like a show that would have been canceled, but uh, pretty cool that it's doing well and that it's been renewed. Number six, 
As reported by website Collider, filming has started on the Russo Brothers Netflix spy thriller The Gray Man, starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. We talked about this a little bit more in detail last week, not the filming portion, but just the casting news. Number seven, as Deadline reports, Network FX's Fargo creator Noah Hawley has confirmed that the Fargo TV series will be getting a fifth season when he gets around to it. I love that energy. Number eight, as reported by Deadline, Lupin director Louis Leterrier and Lupin actor Omar Sy have been hired on to create an On the Other Side of the Tracks sequel film for Netflix. I've never even watched On the Other Side of the Tracks. I wonder what's on the other side. Number nine, as Deadline reports, NBC's Peacock streaming service has scooped up the Case of the Week TV series from Knives Out director Ryan Johnson, which is set to star Russian doll actor Natasha Lyonne. Who done it? But every week, number ten. As Deadline notes, New Girl star Damon Wayans Jr. has been cast in Network TBS's pilot for Kill the Orange Faced Bear. The series is meant to track the revenge story against a bear who eats a man's girlfriend. Damn, man, that's wild. Apparently, this is meant to be a comedy as well. And that concludes the montage. Montage. All right, Adrian, what do you got for me? I got new releases for you. Baby. So this is for the week of March the 22nd to March the 28th. That's a Monday to a Sunday. You want to know what's coming out, baby? Oh, I do. All right, let's start with Wednesday, March the 24th. The first movie that's coming out is a movie called Seaspiracy. It's a Netflix movie. It's a Netflix movie, and it's a documentary about the harm people do to marine life. Have you ever been to Marine Land? Uh, Yes. A long time ago, when I was a small, a wee lad. Me too. Why do you ask? But it's kind of sad. The more you think about it, like, you know, things living in, like, isolation and everything, it's kind of sad. Not to get too deep into it. Anyways. <laughs> it was just like a quick uh, quick aside of how to be a downer, baby. The next movies that are coming out are coming out on Thursday, March 25th. The first movie is a movie called Caught by a Wave, and it's another Netflix original movie. It's about teens that fall in love at a summer camp in Sicily. But then reality hits hard after it ends. The summer camp. Ooh. Not the love. Maybe the love. Who knows? I never watched the movie. It's not out yet. It's coming out on March 25th. Like Secret Magic Control Agency. That's also another Netflix original movie. It's an animated movie about Hansel and Gretel. But they're secret agents with magic. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. You ever watch uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters with uh, Jeremy Renner? I think he plays Hansel. Am I saying Hansel or is it Hansel? I think it's Hansel, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Is it Hansel? Hansel. It is Hansel. Sorry, yeah. I'm just listening to you speak and I'm being a fool. It's like a Mikkelson, Mikkelson situation. Mikkelson situation. Mikkelson as in like the French version of Mikkelson? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's Hansel and Gretel, but uh, they're secret. Did you watch uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter? I have not. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's a pretty fun time, actually. Not a bad movie. It's actually good. Are you serious? It's not like a... looks terrible. It's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. I see. It's better than uh, Ready Player One, that's for sure. Next movie is... That's not true. Yeah, it is. You haven't even watched the movie. I've watched both. There's no way it's better. It is better. I've watched both movies. That doesn't mean anything. It does mean something, Simon. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters is not well regarded on Rotten Tomatoes, just so you're aware. Whereas Ready Player One is. Rotten Tomatoes, the review aggregate website for movies? Yes, that's exactly what I'm referring to. It's a 16% of Rotten Tomatoes. Well, Simon, Batman v Superman is a better movie than uh, than Ready Player One. And what's that at? 
So we both know the critics can be wrong. Ready Player One, not a good movie. Oh, God. Anyways, the next movies that are coming out are all coming out on, on Friday, March 26th. The first movie is a movie called Piglate, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know what language that's supposed to be. But anyways, it's a Netflix original movie. It's about a woman widowed shortly after her marriage finds it hard to grieve for her husband after finding a startling discovery of her husband who is now dead shortly after their marriage. Crazy. The next movie that's coming out is a movie called A Week Away. It's a Netflix original movie, and it's a musical about a troubled teen who tries to find his way by attending a summer camp where he falls in love in Sicily, and then then reality hits hard after that 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 ends it's 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 the same movie as caught by a wave what a twist it's not the same movie as caught by a wave you got me you caught me anyways the next movie that's coming out is a movie called bad trip it's a netflix movie it's an eric andre hidden camera prank comedy road trip movie interesting yeah the next movie that is coming out on a streaming service but on apple tv plus from what i can tell is the movie the father so we talked about this it's one of the best picture oscar nominations starring anthony hopkins currently sitting at 100 percent on rotten tomatoes i believe we'll watch that for next week question mark sure man it looks like a sad time though i'm excited dementia is one of those diseases that's maybe the most devastating i don't know you have a friend whose uh, uh dad has dementia it's pretty pretty big bummer um Excited to watch the movie, though. Uh, the next movies that are coming out are still coming out on the same day, which is Friday, March 26th. Uh, the first one is a movie called Six Minutes to Midnight. So this is uh, confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com, and the Apple TV app. It's a video-on-demand movie. It's about a true story about a woman at a finishing school in coastal England in the year 1939, where daughters of Nazis learn to be influential party ambassadors. Ooh, yeah, seems quite interesting. What's a finishing school? Do you know? I don't actually know off the top of my head, but I'm going to look it up real quick on the Googles. Yeah, it's a it's a school in which it like teaches you manners mm. of the upper class. Actually, to give some movie-related context, I believe Enola Holmes in the movie Enola Holmes goes to a finishing school in that movie on Netflix. Interesting. Cool. Learn a new thing every day. The next movie that's coming out is a movie called The Toll, and this is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. It's a video-on-demand movie. This is a horror movie about two people, a socially awkward driver and his weary passenger, and a supernatural force that is haunting them. It's currently actually sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Only has nine reviews, though, but still quite promising. Um, The next movie that is coming out is a movie called The Vault. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com. However, I couldn't find uh, the option to pre-order it on Apple TV like a lot of the movies uh, do give me the option for. Um, So maybe it will not come out in Canada. I don't know. But uh, I looked at a bunch of places and it seems to be confirmed. Uh, This is a heist movie that stars Freddie Highmore, Famke Jensen, uh, Liam Cunningham. Liam Cunningham, probably best known for his role as Davos. Uh, Famke Jensen, she's in a bunch of stuff, but uh, she's Jean Grey in the original like X-Men movies. Freddie Highmore is uh, Norman Bates in Bates Motel. And I know he has like some doctor show where he plays like an autistic kid with uh, who's a doctor. I forgot what it's called. The Good Doctor or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 
The next movie that's coming out is a movie called The Seventh Day. Um, this is confirmed by Movie Insider, uh, the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com, and the trailer as well. Another movie where it doesn't look like I can pre-order it here in Canada or at least on Apple TV. So I'm not 100% sure that this is coming out that day, but it seems, uh, again, confirmed by multiple sources that it is. This is about a rookie priest who teams up with a well-known exorcist. And while they dive deeper into hell on, hell on Earth, their demons appear, and the lines between good and evil blur. Wow. Mm, yes. And then the final movie that's coming out this week is a movie called Nobody. It's confirmed by the trailer and Movie Insider, as well as the Cineplex app, oddly enough. And the reason why the Cineplex app confirms this is because this is coming out to theaters, apparently. So not coming out to VOD. We won't be able to access this here in Ontario, unfortunately, because... Our theaters are open, or sorry, closed currently. But this is that uh, Bob Odenkirk starring movie that is kind of like a John Wick esque movie. It's literally Bob Odenkirk, but he's John Wick. It is pretty exciting, exciting looking. Like I, I do actually really want to see this movie. I also really like Bob Odenkirk, mm-hmm. and seeing him in an action movie, I'm uh, I'm into that. I wish we could watch that. It's too bad. Me too. This seems like one of those prime movies that we would just like randomly just go to watch. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, it's like a, it's a Friday night or whatever night, and we would just go watch this movie just for shits and gigs. Yeah, and it, I mean, it could be incredible. We just don't know, and we can't watch it, so. I guess, we, uh, I guess we'll find out one day. Maybe you can watch it in your region, listener. Maybe in your region, you can go see it. Like, if you're in Australia or New Zealand, where life's good. Life's so good. I saw a video, and people were at a concert. God damn it. Anyways enough that's all the movies coming out that's all the movies coming thank you adrian i appreciate you doing the legwork on that that's nice of you no worries to research the movies that are coming out and they're there they're there adrian one day in the next 10 years i mean give or take a few years we might be able to go to the theaters you know as we did in the past maybe it might be possible don't worry I'm reaching through the microphone and patting your shoulder Thanks, or your bro. head, whatever you prefer. I feel it. I feel it. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, let's reach back into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? As mentioned at the top of our show, we ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Marta Pinter wrote into us once again, and she said, Hello, guys. Just wanted to let you know, I still enjoy listening to your podcast every single week. Keep it up. You guys are awesome. I also have a couple of questions for you. Would you rather be an extra in an Oscar-winning movie or lead in a box office bomb? And the second question, when was the last time you laughed until you cried? Hmm. Oh, and a bonus question. What happened? To your commitment to watch one classic movie a month, your eternal fan, Marta Pinter. Oof, my mom's calling us out for that one, dude. <laughs> my mom. I think we should uh, address the last one first. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I just forgot about that commitment entirely. Yep. Uh, yeah, I didn't uh, remember. I uh, lots of lots of shit has been going down. The you know, the world is in ruins, and I and I forgot. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how I forgot because we definitely remember to do that one time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, yeah, I think we're going to, we'll get back to that. I think we're going to take a pause on that though. Yeah. We already have. So let's, let's do one classic movie a year at least. Okay. One classic movie a year at least. Yeah. Once we hit, once we hit episode 52, once yeah. we mark a year, we can watch the next classic movie. I, I think we'll get back into it maybe even sooner than that, but I just feel like now it's Oscar season. So we definitely got to catch up on the. Best picture nominations, I think. I think you agree because it was your idea. So. I do agree because it was my idea. Okay, then. So uh, let's go to the first question again. She asked us, would you rather be an extra in an Oscar winning movie or a lead in a box office bomb? Adrian, I'll throw it to you. To me, this was an easy, easy one. Lead in a box office bomb. You get paid a bunch more. Definitely get paid a bunch more. You know what it is, too? Uh, an extra gets nothing. An, an extra would never have been considered for that lead in the box office bomb in the first place. So I don't really care about the money in this case, unlike uh, my greedy friend here. Uh, <laughs> I actually more of a, I'll get a chance to even be a supporting actor in a next big movie. I may not get the lead, um, the lead actor role, but I'll be able to like play something as a supporting actor Whereas an extra is not a supporting actor. Like that, an extra, I've been an extra in a movie. What? Yeah. Which movie? I don't know. Some TV movie. Say it. Tell us. What is it? Although she did say extra in an Oscar winning movie, but it still doesn't matter. Like you just won't notice the person. Like if you have a. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Stop right there. Don't you dare continue talking about this question. What movie were you in? I was a child, so I don't even remember. But it wasn't. I remember. it wasn't a movie you'd remember the name of. And they probably cut my part out anyway. That's because they cut out scenes all the time. It's disgusting. It was a Canadian movie. It wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't in Hollywood. I briefly, the, the, only, the thing I was in for the longest that I actually had FaceTime in was a commercial. It was actually in a, in a Toy Hummer commercial. That, that was actually something you could, you could find me in. But again, I was a young child when I was in that too. So again, I can't really, I don't have any footage. And plus the internet wasn't really that big of a thing back then. But regardless, regardless, an extra in an Oscar winning movie is almost useless. Like you could just be someone they picked off with a street. Or like, for instance, imagine Tenet. All those people in the, in the opera house, you know what I mean? Or is that, sorry, was it a concert hall? What was that start of Tenet now? It was a concert hall. Yeah, whatever, anyway. No one knows any of those people. You can't you can't pick out anyone from that audience. But to be a lead in a box office bomb, they had to hire you for that specifically. So that's I think that's my choice in this case. Yeah, the only time I would prefer to be an extra would be in a Jurassic World movie, Jurassic Park movie. Remember that? If uh, you get eaten, yeah, violently. I would love that. Remember that scene in Jurassic World where like shit's hitting the fan and there's the one guy that's just holding his two drinks in hand and he like runs off the screen. I'll never forget that guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember that guy. Sorry. Oh, that's a bigger. That's almost the extras in that. If they even, if you can even consider that guy an extra, that's all, that's almost not an extra. Because like you remember, you remember the guys that you know that or the people that were eaten by the giant bird with the big snappy mouth thing. What are the, what are those birds called? Um, I think you got it. Big, no, no, big snappy mouth. Big, big snappy mouth bird thing. That's yeah. what I said specifically. I think you got it right with that one. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. I appreciate you, Adrian. No worries. And I'm sorry for calling you greedy. Just got ahead of myself. Apology accepted. Although you did take the greedy angle, let's be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, come on, man. Money's what's important, baby. Uh, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree on that. Okay, second question she asked here is, when was the last time you laughed until you cried? 
a good question, actually. I don't know. I'm sure like I've laughed until I cried, like, you know, talking to people at my place of work or something like that, or like with my friends, like on PlayStation or something. That's um, what I was thinking. I was thinking it was probably with you on PlayStation at some point. With me? We don't talk outside this podcast. What are you doing? Oh, it must have been in a dream of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Past life. <laughs> past life. Yeah, you're right. Couldn't have been you. Mm-hmm. Definitely it couldn't have not. been you. Couldn't have been you. Yeah, sorry. It's impossible. It's impossible, dude. Yeah. Um, My mistake. Uh, I'm going to bring this back to, yeah, like TV show and uh, movie related. The last time I can like explicitly remember laughing so hard that I cried maybe was when I watched uh, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, actually. I think that may have been the last time that I can at least explicitly remember laughing so hard I started crying. I don't think I've ever done that with any movie or TV show. I'm just, I keep thinking about it and I really don't think there's a time. Mm. I'll get back to you on that, Marta. Just give me, give me a few episodes. Maybe I'll think of it. You're going to forget about it. I'm going to randomly pipe in in the middle of a news segment. (laughs) Or I'll just forget (laughs) about it. Just cut me off. Just cut me off halfway. Hold up, Adrian. Hold up. It's that time I watched blank. Don't know. I still don't know the name of it. So. Mm I don't think I honestly don't think there is a time. I think it's been more had to be there moments, but yeah, I I remember like laughing so hard that I like t- definitely teared up for Auntie Donna's big old testament. You know what scene? I like actually like a movie I explicitly remember like laughing so hard I was genuinely like crying. It's in Zootopia the, 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 when uh, when they go to the DMV with the sloth. I remember being in theaters and literally just losing my shit. Like I I couldn't stop laughing. And uh, same with Game Night. The the I was gonna say that coffee. Game Night. I just don't think I've ever been uh, laughed to tears. But the Game Night moment with the Frito Lay, friggin' Jesse <laughs> Clemens, is really funny. I legitimately remember being in the theater laughing for five minutes straight. Like I was, uh, like we went as a pretty decent group, and I was sitting next to my uh, like uh, my friend Eric, and we. <laughs> literally that scene happened and me and him just started laughing for like five minutes straight. And anytime one of us stopped, we would just make the other person start laughing, bringing it up. Uh, that, that scene is like something special. That movie is so good. That movie is one of the funniest movies in recent memory. And that's why the Dungeons and Dragons movie will be good because again, it's the same writers. Don't you see? I really hope so. It's going to be the same idea. Yeah. They're not going the Warcraft method. They're definitely going the comedy angle. That's, I feel like that's a given. If that doesn't happen, that would be a terrible surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. That ends our regular scheduled programming for this episode. Adrian, I will give you, you know, the last word. Is there anything that you want to, you want to say? You mean about me, to me, to the audience? No, I just, uh, I, I don't have uh, anything to add, man. I, I enjoyed spending this time talking to you. Thank you. I, I enjoyed the time spent talking to you as well. And I ask you, audience, to write into us, as I've said already a couple times on this episode, to our splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com email address. Again, comments, corrections, random questions. We want to hear them. We want to address them on our show live. Live. But we can't do that unless you write into us. So I ask you to write into us. And I also ask you to rate our episode on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. Maybe write us a review if possible. Subscribe if you haven't already and you've listened to a few episodes. I'd very much appreciate it. Um, I'd imagine Adrian would as well. I would. I I definitely would. Excellent. And please, on that note, 
Thank you for listening to the 38th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is I, Adrian Pinter, about to sign off. Like I said last week, that was going to be the last time I said Batman v Superman is a good movie. Before we got Zack Snyder's Justice League. And baby, let me tell you, Batman v Superman, still a great movie. Always was, always has been. And Zack Snyder's Justice League, really great movie too. Let's get it going, baby. Anyways, take care. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Goodbye. See you later. God, so lucky that we got that movie. I love you. Batman and Superman, the movie, saved. <laughs>